This week we have the manling by the Pool of Bethesda, John chapter 5, verses 1 to 17. God desires that all things should lead us and bring us to Christ. It is through Christ that we come to God and are saved. God gave his word, his scriptures, in order to bring us to Christ, to teach us about him. In the Old Testament, they had many different laws, regulations, festivals that were supposed to remind them, focus them on Christ, get them to look ahead to the coming of Christ. All too often, we take these things that God has given to us and they become a thing in and of themselves. Uh, we go to church for the sake of going to church rather than for the sake of rejoicing in what Jesus has done for us. The Jews certainly failed in that respect. The Sabbath became a thing in and of itself. They kept the Sabbath for the sake of the Sabbath rather than for the sake of Christ who was to come. They read the scriptures and learned the scriptures for the sake of the scriptures rather than to find Jesus Christ. This is the thing that Jesus is going to teach us and the Jews in the story today, that the things that God gives to us are there in order to bring us to Christ. They are not an, an end in and of themselves. John chapter 5, uh, beginning with verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. The sheep gate was one of the gates into Jerusalem. It was probably called the sheep gate because that is where the sheep were brought in for the sacrifice. Perhaps John makes special mention of it here because Jesus, the Lamb of God, is coming in. Uh, the sheep were brought in to sacrifice to, he to heal people of their sin. And here comes Jesus, the true Lamb of God, with the, with the power to, to heal us from our sin. Uh, so coming in by the, the sheep gate, there is a pool uh, called Bethesda there, which means a house of mercy. So probably uh, a place, uh, a hospital of sorts in those days. It certainly seems like that. The, the sick and the, uh, the sick people are gathered there at the pool, um, a great many of them. Uh, five porches, uh, five porticos. Uh, he's talking about uh, kind of like that open roof idea and there's probably five of them because uh, there's probably four on each side and one in the middle in recent years a pool has been found archaeologists have unearthed a pool in the right area matching the description and it's actually two well it's one kind of cistern that's divided in two and so that would make sense why there's five uh, porticles or porches as you want to call them uh, for the people to rest and, and hide from the sun you know during the hot hot part of the day that there would have been four on each side and then maybe one right down the middle and that seems to be the case here verse four for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever diseases he had you might notice depending on what translations you're using that verse four is missing in some maybe even many of the English Bibles. Uh, it is missing in some of the Greek texts, which is why it's missing in some of the, the English Bibles, because, they, they, well, okay, it's missing in some of the Greek texts, so was it really there or wasn't it? It's very possible that uh, verse 4 was not in the original Gospel of John, but was a note that was added later by somebody uh, explaining why the sick people were there waiting for the stirring of the water. Uh, so it's very possible that this was not originally part of the scripture. It doesn't really change anything about the account or about the story or about God's word. Uh, some people might be worried that, well, if you if we 
can just get rid of this verse and oh maybe there are other verses in scripture as well that that don't really belong there and and maybe we should decide to get rid of some of them too and some people have you know not just worried about but said that straight oh we we can't trust the bible Uh, however this is one of at most maybe three uh, little verses or paragraphs in scripture where there's any doubt that they were part of the original so um, there is evidence that this might not have been part of the original and maybe it was uh, but there is some good evidence for it we're not just arbitrarily saying well this doesn't sound like scripture so let's get rid of it that's not what we're doing at all uh, but we're, we're looking back at the greek texts the original manuscripts and we're saying okay it is missing in some of the early ones uh, maybe it wasn't there and it's only this and one other verse uh, that there's really any question about so it's not really calling into into question the validity of scripture uh, it's just this one note perhaps may have been written later and not actually part of the inspired word of god Continuing with verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. From the porches to the water, it was about 27 steps if that pool they uncovered was the, the pool of Bethesda. And obviously, it wouldn't have been easy for a man to get down those 27 steps into the water. Neither could he have just, you know, hung out in the pool. Uh, you can't stay in the bathtub all day, right? You can't stay in the swimming pool all day. You would have had to go back and uh, stay, uh, uh, you know, under the roof uh, in the porch area. Uh, so it was very difficult for him to get down there first, get down 27 steps. It would have been difficult for anyone uh, who was sick to do that without help and this one has no one to help him and now here he has jesus uh, who is our best friend as the song says what a friend we have in jesus for anyone who asks in here jesus shows himself to be that that friend uh, not only to this man but to us as well Uh, but he doesn't need to help him down in the steps because jesus can heal him just with a word and jesus said verse 8 jesus said to him rise take up your bed and walk and immediately the man was made well, made well, took up his bed, and walked. Uh, here we see both the power of Jesus, uh, that at a word he can heal this man, he can heal us as well. But we also see the faith of this man, that at the word of Jesus, even though what Jesus was proposing seems ridiculous, how can I walk? I haven't been able to walk in 38 years. You want me to pick up my bed and walk now? Yet at the, at the word, at the command of Jesus, uh, he did it. And through that, he was made well. Uh, so faith working with the word. It was it, the, the power of Jesus isn't in the faith of man. The power of Jesus is in his word that says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Uh, nevertheless, it works through the faith in our hearts so that when we trust Jesus and do what he says, Jesus fulfills his promises for us. Um, he tells us to read his word and, and in his word we receive his grace. He tells us to re- take and eat, right? And when we listen and hear that word and we take and we eat we receive the promises that god uh, promises us in that taking and eating it's not the act itself it's not our work it's not our faith that produces the promises of god or or that by which we receive the grace of god but god gives us that grace through that action and so here this man as well he's made well uh, when he hears god's word and does as god says And that day was the Sabbath. Then the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. 
we go back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah warned the people of Israel very adamantly. Thus says the Lord, take heed to yourselves and bear no burden on the Sabbath day. I'm reading from Jeremiah 17, 21 to 22. Bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem, nor carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day, nor do any work, but hallow the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. So back in the time of Jeremiah, the prophet was very adamant. You must not carry anything on the Sabbath. And the Jews are thinking about that. They're thinking about the prophet Jeremiah. They're saying, this is wrong. God's word says it is wrong. However, they're not really thinking about God's word, are they? The context makes it very clear that the people that, that Jeremiah were talking to were clearly doing work on the Sabbath day. They were bringing uh, things into Jerusalem to sell. They were taking things out of Jerusalem that didn't sell. They were carrying money back to their houses. So instead of honoring the Sabbath day as a day to, of, of rest and a day of worship to the Lord, they were carrying burdens for work, for profit, for money. What we have going on in this man's case is very different, isn't it? Uh, the whole purpose of the Sabbath day was to rejoice in the Lord and in all that he has done for us. This man is rejoicing in what the Lord had done for him. He was an invalid for 38 years, and now after 38 years, he gets to go home. Uh, what could be a better thing to do on the Sabbath than to praise the Lord as he goes home healed and bring his, his bed home finally? What a joyful thing to do. One might, one might have asked the Jews who were criticizing him for carrying his bed home, one might have asked them, well, is it lawful to, to carry a harp on the Sabbath with which to praise God? And undoubtedly they said, well, yes, you could carry a harp to, to, to sing praises to God. And why not can this man then carry his bed praising God for the things that God had just done for him? This was not a violation of the Sabbath at all. This was a fulfillment of the Sabbath as this man rejoiced in the things that God had done for him and is finally able to go home after 38 years. Uh, but the Jews are too focused on the law to understand the fulfillment in Christ Jesus and the joy that ought to be ours through what God has done for us. Uh, the man here, however, he has an even better response to the Jews even than that. He says, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. And when I first read this, I thought, well, he's tattletaling on Jesus. Why would he do that when the man made him well? But that's not really what he's doing at all, is he? He's really putting the Jews in their place. Because the man's point is, if the man had the power to heal me, he also has the authority to tell me that it's okay to carry a bed on the Sabbath. And the Jews are kind of put in their place. They are kind of stumped what to say next. And so they don't even bother to answer the man. Rather, they, they, they look for Jesus and they say, well, well, who is this man who, who made you well? Verse 12, then they asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I also have been working. When Jesus says to the man, uh, see that see you have been made well, sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Sometimes that's misunderstood to uh, imply that, well, once we have repented, we can't sin anymore or else we might, 
or else we're going to be damned. There is no more salvation. You, you repent once, and then you have to you know, live a perfect life thereafter. Uh, but that's not really what Jesus is saying here. Sin does have consequences. And Jesus isn't necessarily even saying that the this man's sickness was a consequence of his sin. But nevertheless, he is saying, like, when we sin, that causes problems in our life. And that doesn't mean that we can't repent and receive forgiveness from God. But certainly our lives are going to be much better off if we, in repentance, trust God and, and through his word, by living in the Holy Spirit, uh, seek to, to live a holy life. Uh, you know, the, the example might be a man who is an alcoholic uh, and uh, has all kinds of problems, maybe even uh, sicknesses because of that alcoholism. And maybe Jesus were to come to an alcoholic and heal him of the diseases that were a result of his alcoholism. And uh, the, Jesus says, might say the same thing to that man. Don't return now to your sin. You've been made well. You've been forgiven. And I'm going to die for your sins. And you're going to live because of me. But now that I've made you well from, your from the effects of your alcoholism, uh, don't return to it. Uh, and that's that's what Jesus is saying to this man as well. Don't think that because I've forgiven your sins that you can go and live in sin now and it doesn't matter. Oh, that's not true. It, it does matter. We can trust Jesus for forgiveness and know that we are saved by him even when we mess up in sin. But at the same time, we can recognize that sin has negative consequences on our life and pray that Jesus will give us the strength to avoid temptation. Uh, this man departed and told the Jews, but Jesus answered them, My father has been working till now, and I also have been working. Uh, in another part of scripture, Jesus tells the Jews, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was meant to serve us. We were not meant to serve the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was there in order to give us a chance to come to know Jesus. It was not there as a strict rule that, okay, if you obey this and do all this thing, uh, then you will be, then you will deserve heaven. No, no, no. The Sabbath was there to teach us about Jesus. Another place Jesus says he also is the Lord of the Sabbath. If he has the authority to heal this man, he also has the authority to correctly interpret God's word about the Sabbath. To say to this man, that's not what God meant when he said you shall not work. He wasn't talking about healing. He wasn't talking about acts of mercy and compassion. He wasn't talking about finally being able to go home after 30 years of sickness. He was talking about people who have no use for God and therefore they would rather work on the Sabbath to make money because what they care about is money rather than about their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The purpose of the Sabbath was to bring people to Jesus. Later on in this very same chapter of John, Jesus tells the, the Jews, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. The Jews had the same problem with the scriptures that they had with the Sabbath. They were searching the scriptures for the sake of searching the scriptures. They were doing the, the laws of God for the sake of doing the laws. They did not see in those laws the fulfillment that was to come in Christ Jesus. The laws were not teaching them to look ahead to Jesus, the laws were, they were using the laws to teach themselves to look in at themselves and praise themselves for what good works they had done. The Jews knew the scriptures, but they didn't understand that the scriptures were pointing to Jesus. They knew the Sabbath, but they didn't understand that the purpose of the Sabbath was to point them ahead to Jesus. We sometimes have the same problem that we 
we know we're supposed to go to to worship but we go to worship just to go to worship instead of recognizing that the purpose of worship is that we rejoice in what wonderful things that god has done for us in the worship service in the community in our baptism in the god's word in all these ways jesus comes to us to reveal to us his love for us in the forgiveness of sins that is ours through him and he wants us he urges us he even commands us to come to 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 come to Sunday worship service, to come to communion, to come to baptism, to come to his word. He gives the command, not because it's a thing to be done in and for itself, but because in it, he wants us to come to him and to find that forgiveness of sins and to rejoice in him. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson. Give me a call or an email if you have any questions.